What makes professional development effective? In my origin story, I often talk about PD, that it was too little, too late, unhelpful and disconnected. It was focused on the three pillars of education, academics, attendance, discipline, all very important, by the way, but just not why I became an educator. You see, I was interested in topics like how do you craft a meaningful school vision that actually guides the work of a school, that people are actually excited about making a reality. I don't know about you. I absolutely hate, I hate hard conversations. They're difficult. They're uncomfortable. And I have to do a lot of work and practice to even have them and have them hopefully effectively. And then there comes to the idea of equity. We know that inequitable systems exist in school. And, uh, you know, ages ago when I became an educator, it wasn't so sexy to talk about. But I wanted to make school a place where all kids could succeed and thrive. Nobody was having those conversations back then. So I wanted to make a ruckus. And we've created a community, right, that offers responsive, relevant, and results-oriented PD. But today's guest, Shannon Burke, who is the founder and CEO of Engage to Learn. She wrote a wonderful book called Connect the Dots. It's all about and focused on providing great development for our teachers, the biggest lever in our building that can create the most impact and add the most value to our school community. Hey, it's Danny, Chief Ruckus Maker over at Better Leaders, Better Schools. And thanks for listening to today's podcast. This show is for ruckus makers, those leaders who are investing in their continuous growth. They are challenging the status quo and they're designing the future of school now. And we'll be right back with our main episode right after some messages from our show sponsors. Take the next step in your professional development with Harvard's Certificate in School Management and Leadership. Learn from Harvard Business and Education School faculty while you collaborate with a global network of fellow school leaders. Programs run from February 15th to March 15th, 2023. Apply by Friday, February 3rd. Enroll by Thursday, February 9th for our upcoming cohort, at betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Harvard. School leaders know that productive student talk drives student learning, but the average teacher talks 75% of class time. Give your students more opportunities to learn in class by monitoring the talk time for teachers and students. Check out TeachFX for yourself and learn about our special partnership options for ruckus makers at teachfx.com slash BLBS. All students have an opportunity to succeed with Organized Binder, who equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning, whether that's in a distance, hybrid, or traditional educational setting. Learn more at organizedbinder.com. Right here we are with another ruckus maker, Shannon Burke, the founder and CEO of Engage to Learn, a leading provider of education intelligence through smart professional learning, job embedded coaching, and related technology solutions since 2011. 
Educator turned entrepreneur, she has emerged as a thought leader on educational leadership, organizational culture, and systems thinking. Burke recently published Connect the Dots, Utilizing Education Intelligence to Accelerate Growth, Retain Talent, and Optimize Outcomes, which, of course, we recommend all ruckus makers pick up a copy of Connect the Dots. Shannon, welcome to this show. Thank you, Danny. I'm excited. We're going to have a fun time. We are already having a fun time. This is great. And Shannon, you and your sister, you know, you had massively different experiences in school from uh, what I remember regarding our intro call. So do you mind just telling us that story? Sure, of course. So my sister is 15 months younger than I am. And we, you know, we we grew up, I would say, in a, we were poor. And so uh, my parents were young and scrappy. And it was kind of the luck of the draw, what what teachers we got in school that, you know, they didn't request teachers or anything like that. And I got, you know, I, I had a really good school experience. Like I loved school and I had a really good experience. And my sister just didn't have the same experience. And we ended up, um, you know, she had, she asked a lot of questions. She was curious minded and she, she ended up dropping out of school and I was valedictorian. And, you know, if you, if you believe in IQ, which I don't know that I do, but we are only two IQ points apart. So it, you know, it wasn't that issue and it's changed her, you know, obviously life trajectory. When you're high school dropout, you have a different life trajectory um, than when you're valedictorian and first generation college student. So that really inspired me to become a teacher because I know what her gifts are. She is, you know, brilliant, empathetic, very empathetic person, very charismatic. Um, She just has a lot of gifts to give to the world. And so what inspired me to become a teacher was, you know, could I, could I help students that maybe weren't, didn't fit the mold, um, discover their gifts and be able to use those in the world. And that was, that was my, that was my inspiration for saying, I want to, I want to do that. And then I learned after getting into education, you can, you know, you can even have impact beyond that, but um, that, that's the story. Right. So that obviously influenced you, right, in terms of getting into education, helping uh, students figure out their gifts and, and that nobody falls through the cracks and, and that kind of thing. Do you know, reflecting back, did it influence you in sort of any any other ways that maybe you haven't considered in a minute or that kind of thing? I'm just, yeah, I'm just curious. Well, uh, that's a great question. I, you know, I've been... Yes, I would say yes, because it caused me to also um, really become a fan of and a student of neuroscience and of like mental health. And um, because, again, her trajectory has been different than mine. And, um, you know, she's she's dealt with a lot of mental illness, addiction, a lot of a lot of things. And so it, it put me on a path where I also wanted to understand nutrition, you know, how the brain works, how to sleep sure. impact the brain, what, what is addiction really about, um, mental wellness and um, mental health and how that impacts, impacts people. And so, yeah, that's kind of become something that, I mean, I've studied those, those things for a long time. And, you know, it's great to learn also about how different people learn because so I studied, you know, like learning styles back in the day mm-hmm. and intelligences and just how the brain works and, you know, what we can do to truly engage um, all learners. And, and I applied that in my classroom. And then, of course, in my work now and just making sure that, you know, we're really doing what we need to do to, you know, the 
the overused word differentiate, but to truly, you know, engage all learners that might be thinking and in, 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 uh, learning in different ways. And that's been, you know, really fun to see how that impacts folks. Even in my first year of teaching, you know, I applied that and it, and it was really, really great to see students who maybe had been in the system the whole time, like as seniors, finally getting the aha and feeling like, oh, I'm not, I'm not dumb. I just learned differently, you know, those kind of things. Yeah, yeah. So I would say that's, that's a great question that you asked me and that, and I hadn't thought about it that way, but yeah, that really inspired that kind of work and, and study as well. Thanks for, uh, thanks for the gratitude around the question, you know, so I appreciate that. What's interesting is, I don't know that it's like super consistent, but certainly in classrooms, uh, educators are, are doing more differentiation and mm-hmm. trying to personalize, right, for, for learners. What do you think is going on, though, with adults? I don't, like, I never get, there's such a gap, right? We'll do it for students. And then I stand in front of my staff, right? And I just give this terribly boring lecture. <laughs> and I, you're, you're going down a dangerous road with me. Because, come on, let's go, let's go. That is my, that is it. That is the ruckus that I want to make. Yeah. Um, is that, yes, we are, thankfully, it's amazing, but we are seeing now, you know, all kinds of um, tools and strategies and people are so much more aware of, and, and implementing um, how to change up, you know, personalize and individualize and differentiate for learners. And, and it's kind of like a given now. Well, we know that, all not, you know, I used to ask a question like when I would meet with communities and parents and say like, how many of you have more than one child? People like raise their hand. How many of you, your, your children think and act exactly the same? And I mean, it's a crazy thought. Like, no, of course not. Even twins yeah. don't, you know. Yeah. So we get that. But, but then in adults, professional learning is still... Yes. Yeah. So bad. That's a simple way to say it. People just go like they, you know, they dread it and you sit there and it's like, how do we expect people, you know, to do something different in their classroom when what we're modeling at the, at the PD level is that, you know, and how do we expect to meet? I mean, the adults in that room are even more differentiated in terms of their needs than than in a classroom, because you're talking about all different levels of experience and age and every all different kinds of assignments and life experiences and all the different things. And so to think that one size fits all is going to work for adults is yikes. Yikes. <laughs> yikes is right. You know, I used to call that cause I, I talk about my origin story and that kind of thing and people have heard it enough. So I'm not going to go through the whole deal, but when I think about the professional development I was experiencing and then why I started this show to talk to people smarter than me, like you and learn from your stories of success and failure and, you know, take action on something you taught me. I figured that would make me better. But I, I had a name for that kind of PD. I would call it too little, too late, unhelpful and disconnected. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that summarizes uh, that experience. I don't know if you have a word for it. Actually, that, that question, throw that away because it doesn't matter. What, what, makes, what makes PD, you know, more effective, you think? Um, and I know you consider it sometimes a, a, a relic of the past. So how can we make it meaningful for adults? Okay, well, this is what I've spent, you know, basically my 30 plus years in education focused on. Right. As I feel like, you know, and I think you you and I both agree on this. I know this already, but, you know, the most important lever is is the teacher and the most important thing we can do with to make a system better and to make it better for the people is for people to have an opportunity to grow. So right now we have a compliance-based, you know, like you said, relic from the past, you know, evaluation, PD, all of those pieces are really outdated modes um, that we need to that we need to throw out. And 
I'm going to tell you a super quick story that I heard the other day that just drives us home again. So a friend of mine was telling me about his father, who is a 30-year special education teacher. So he's been teaching for 30 years and special ed. And he told his son when he was about to retire, he said, this year, I'm not going to go to PD because I've wasted for 30 years. Like I'm just not showing up? PD. So this year, on my last year, I'm just not going to go. I'm just, you know, choosing this, this year. And it's like, this man who has done an amazing thing in, in meeting the needs of special needs students for 30 years has right. been subjected to irrelevant <laughs> and waste of his time. And you know how hard that job is. It just brought it home to me once again. I was just like, oh my goodness. So, so your question was not, why is it so bad? But what mm. do we do differently? And so for me, I think there's, there's three things. The first thing is, we have to, you have to strategically abandon what's not working, what's not working, which includes that one size fits all piece. And, but it's, it's hard, it's easy enough to say differentiate and it's very difficult to do in terms of systems. But the one, the first step in that is looking at the system as more competency based. So saying, what are the competencies? And there's a ton of research out there on that. And of course we've done, we've curated the research and we've built out competencies. So those are available to folks in that way. But there's a lot of other people that have, you know, done a lot of work around this too. So, you know, identifying here's, here are the competencies and then building those out, you know, in, in like levels so that there are standards and ways for people to get on the competencies and then aligning every, all the professional growth to that. Right. It I mean, it's, it's not super difficult to do this. It, it does require redesigning the PD system. But the reason why competencies will make a big difference is because it gives me a progression over time. It gives me agency over my, my own professional growth. And it gives me the opportunity to differentiate for every person. If I'm the PL provider, right? Like everybody's on the competencies, but they're, they might choose different ones depending on what's relevant to them. They might self-assess and say, I've got these four down. I still need these seven, whatever it is. And then they can even within the competencies set goals, you know, okay, I want to work more on, let's just say everybody knows this is an important one, formative assessment and feedback. I want to work more on that. So I, you know, start, I set a goal, I self-assess, and then I have really clear, tangible behaviors of how I can move through that process and resources aligned to it that I can apply in practice. So the first thing is you make it all competency-based. The second thing I think we really have to do is provide some equitable systems of support. We talk about equity for learners too, but what about equity for adults? We talk about agency for learners. What about agency for adults? So in professional learning, you know, providing that support, it doesn't have to be a person all the time and it doesn't have to be a coach all the time. There's, you know, other people in the system can provide peer support, um, there's, you know, automated ways of getting support, there's resources, et cetera, but aligning all of that to competencies. So again, I'm seeing a progression over time. And then the third thing is creating a growth-based system where I'm recognized and valued for the growth that I'm making as a professional, you know, rather than, you know, an evaluation system that basically, you know, is, is deficit-based, I guess you would say, um, sure. a growth-based system. So I'm getting recognition as I'm making that progress. Those are the three things I think we need to do. Makes a lot of sense. And I think you hit it on the head. So I really appreciate appreciate that. And you're talking about how to differentiate PD for uh, educators there, which is super cool. Uh, so let's talk a bit about the book, right? You see it on the shelf there, Connect the Dots. What are the dots being connected? So great question. So really, I've, again, tried to dig in and being in the in the business for a long time, it's just like saying, okay, what's, what is, where, where can we 
you know, change something, make an elegant solution, right? We need an elegant solution. Mm. Whatever we want to do to change the system, and I appreciate the ruckus makers, you know, we can't add a lot more to the plate, right? Because people are overwhelmed, overloaded, and that doesn't help. So what's what's an elegant solution? And I feel like when I really analyze that over time now, it's like, okay, so if we want it to be a growth-based system, we need to measure what we really value. The way the system is set up now, we're measuring um, or we're really not measuring educator growth at all. We're really not measuring anything for educators. So mm-hmm. the idea of connect the dots is we're doing all this student data analysis, mm-hmm. which it's crazy, but actually there's reports that say that doesn't actually do anything that, mm-hmm. you know, our business review came out and said all the student data analysis and data driven instruction isn't actually impacting student outcomes. But the reason I feel like is because, or, or what the research is showing is because it's not actually connected to the inputs. So we're looking at all this student data, but we're never saying, what are we doing? So you can figure out where the gaps are in the student data, but you don't know what to double down on, what to do differently, what to keep doing. But if we connected growth and competencies to the student outcomes, then we could say, oh, look, when someone has these competencies, they get these outcomes. When they're, you know, growing and progressing on this, on this spectrum, that's what the, and and then you know what to do on the front end, you know what the inputs are and you know how to change it. So it really just connect the dots is about let's connect the inputs and the outcomes so that people have access to insights, not just, oh, this is where the kids didn't get it, but also what can I do differently? Mm -hmm. Every every educator wants to know that instead of um, that being random, or I'm just searching for it online. I actually have you know, a way to see because of my measurable educator growth, I can see the connection and I can make, yeah. you know, decisions based on those insights. It's kind of like business intelligence, right? Yeah. World, right? It's, it's, that's what the idea of education intelligence is. Let's have those connected. Um, gotcha. data. Yeah. Makes sense. Well, I'd love Shane, if you or, or your team could maybe send that, if you know where that HBR article is, I'd love to read it and pass it on along to the community. And again, encourage all the ruckus makers to pick up, connect the dots, I love what you were riffing on in terms of the the inputs, you know, that's something I'm always talking to ruckus makers about because we will we'll set the goals and, and they're good goals and all this kind of stuff. We want higher student achievement, better attendance, all that kind of stuff, right? But you actually don't control it. That's the joke. You know what I mean? But you do control, your, you know, what you put into it. Yes. And that's where the focus needs to be. That's what you measure. Those are the things you could tweak. Because by the time, you know, what I love to use is just the example of a a scale because everybody, you know, thinks about weight and that kind of stuff. But if you have some sort of goal, right, fitness wise, by the time you step on scale, it's too late. Like you can't do nothing about it. But you can choose what you put in your mouth. You can choose how often you work out. And those are inputs. And, you know, people tend to get that example. So appreciate what you were sharing there. Earlier, you talked about teachers, right, being the leverage point, you know, and teachers uh, as as talent, you know, something you believe. So how can a ruckus maker, right, leading a school really communicate that we believe, you know, you're the foundation of the school, right, that you matter a lot, Um, us developing you and making, you know, making sure your job's not more difficult than it needs to be. You talking about adding to the plate, but yeah, how can they communicate that and act in ways that is actually received? I love that question. I, it makes me sad when I hear, and we do hear it a lot because we work sure. with a lot of teachers and a lot of schools, you know, I, that they don't feel valued or they don't feel recognized for what they're doing. So I think the first thing is evidence-based recognition. Um, it goes a long way. It impacts the culture. It, it communicates that you're valued and not just because of a popularity contest or because, you know, I like you, but 
because your work is really, you know, aligned to, again, these outcomes and I value what you're doing. I value how you're growing as a professional. So I think evidence-based recognition is really critical and can be a complete game changer. You mentioned also that analogy, and I love that analogy too. I talk about it a lot. Like, you know, we all want biofeedback right now, you know, like how many steps am I taking today and all these things. And that helps me to grow in the ways that I, you know, have set my goals for. And I think it's, again, the same things in education as a leader. If I can find ways to actually give valuable feedback, you know, every professional really wants that specific valuable feedback. Every, every educator wants that. But I don't believe this is another kind of what not to do. I, I don't believe that going in people's classrooms and looking over their shoulders and whispering in their ear while they're trying to teach is the way to do it. I think you're doing it wrong. <laughs> I mean, I've actually even heard of people say, well, there's this thing called whisper coaching. I'm like, what in the world? Uh, <laughs> what, what professional, you know, should be subjected to that? None. So the idea of evidence-based recognition and evidence-based feedback, like based on evidence of practice, is, you know, what I think, you know, can, can truly change the culture. It puts, again, the agency back in the professional's hands. And you're saying like, oh, here's a piece of evidence of practice that I'd like feedback on. And they're giving you feedback. I mean, that's very different than I'm going to pop into your room and surprise you and, you know, tell you something and give you that kind of feedback. So I think changing it around to where it's rec- recognition um, for the work that they're doing, but it's evidence-based and elevating teachers as talent always. I mean, obviously collaborating with them and, yeah. and having, you know, they have a role in decision-making and those kind of things as well are really important. Yeah, super important. That specific, you know, that specific and genuine praise, you know, I really appreciate you sharing that. We read a book ages ago in the mastermind about thanks for the, no, this one was radical candor. That was the one I'm thinking about, but I mean, general feedback, right? Like you're great. Okay. That's really nice. You know, but you're great because in showing that you're really paying attention, uh, that matters a lot. We might have to do a second show on whisper coaching, potentially. Oh <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll see about that. Shannon, I'm really enjoying our conversation. We're going to take a quick break here for some messages from our sponsors. But when we get back, I'd love to hear about your perspective around teacher pro- programs, certification, and evaluation. Learn how to successfully navigate change, shape your school's success, and empower your teams with Harvard's Certificate in School Management and Leadership. Get online PD that fits your schedule. Courses include leading change, leading school strategy and innovation, leading people and leading learning. Apply today at betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Harvard. Teachers have the power to impact children's lives in almost immeasurable ways. And as an instructional leader, as much as you'd love to provide every teacher the support they need to learn and grow, you can't be with every teacher in every classroom and whispering to them either. So TeachFX is a whole new way to provide instructional leadership at scale and in a way that's teacher-centered. Teachers use TeachFX to record a lesson and automatically get personalized private feedback to guide their own self-reflection. See TeachFX for yourself and learn about special partnership options for BLBS listeners at teachfx.com slash BLBS. And today's show is proudly sponsored by Organized Binder, a program which gives students daily exposure to goal setting, reflective learning, time and task management, study strategies, organizational skills, and more. Organized Binder's color-coded system is implemented by the teacher through parallel process with students, helping them create a predictable and dependable classroom routine. You can learn more and improve your students' executive functioning at organizedbinder.com. 
we're back with Shannon Burke, founder and CEO of Engage to Learn. And we highly recommend you check out her book, Connect the Dots, Utilizing Education Intelligence to Accelerate Growth, Retain Talent, and Optimize Outcomes. So Shannon, you have a ruckus maker perspective when it comes to teacher prep programs, certification, and we've heard a bit about evaluation, but can you tell us that perspective? Yes, I have never met an educator that felt like, including myself, and I went to a great school, but that felt like they were prepared, right, for teaching from their teacher prep program. And I think, you know, in all candor, how could you? Right. How could you be prepared prior to getting in the classroom, even with an internship or whatever? So, again, and and we're in a time where we really need to be thinking about these things seriously Mm -hmm. and thinking about them from the ruckus maker point of view. You know, what can we do differently with those? Funny story. My daughter is actually who is a college graduate, was in residential architecture, UI, UX design. Now she wants to become a teacher. Well, she said, mom, I know you've always said (laughs) that, you know, you can't get prepared for it through a teacher prep program. You're really not prepared for it. So she said, I think I want to become a teaching assistant and like get in the classrooms and see what's really happening. And that'll help me, which she's doing right now. She's just been doing it for two weeks. And, and already she's like, oh, wow. I, so I, I get it now. Like, like how could you, right. Get prepared outside of that. So I, I really feel like we need to take a hard look at this where we can, you know, do a lot more on the job, um, you know, job embedded coaching, kind of the the master teacher, you know, mentor or teacher idea, but, you know, getting folks, again, based on competencies, but while you're in that mode of actually being able to apply it as you go mm-hmm. along, because the time, money, and energy that it takes to go through those programs and really not getting the results. Um, and then, you know, I mean, everyone knows the, the issues with Alt-Cert as well. It's, it's a step in the right direction because taking, you know, being able to say, well, I already have a degree and now, you know, can I, can I quickly accelerate into a teaching role? Um, because a lot of folks with another career do have great perspective to bring to the classroom. I think it's fabulous. But again, the kind of the jump through the hoops part of that is, mm-hmm a barrier that I don't think we need to have. I mean, we, we need more folks in the classroom. We know we're in a crisis and a shortage. And if we can provide the one-on-one support, individualized support going forward based on competence as people are applying them in the classroom, I think we're going to get a lot farther. We're going to have better results and folks are going to feel a lot more prepared. We worked with a lot of Alt-Cert teachers and, you know, that were struggling mildly, not saying that just because they're Alt-Cert, they will be, but just within a year of supporting them on competencies, yeah. they're like, confident, ready to go. Here we go. So let's take off the barriers. You know, why do we have to do, why do we have to pile more on instead of piling more mm-hmm. on let's the barriers and just do that competency-based job embedded piece? Yeah. I don't always ask my guests this question, but I suspect I'm going to enjoy your, your answer. Hopefully that's not setting you up. But so part of being a ruckus maker, right, is investing in your continuous growth. So I'm just, I'm just genuinely curious. Uh, how is Shannon working on her mindset and skills these days? That's a great question. And, you know, in our organization, that's one of the foremost things. It's like, what are you doing to grow? We're, you know, like all yeah, the time. So yeah. always got to get better. I would say I mostly grow from interacting with amazing people and learning from people like you and people on my team. And I learn from every person I meet. So, yeah. you know, I get to work with a lot of superintendents. I just was working and doing a superintendent kind of think tank this week and hearing from them. And, and also I read everything. So right now I'm reading yeah. like the called Being Wrong. I'm reading the book called Deep Work. I'm yeah, Cal Newport. Yeah, yes. Mm-hmm. And I'm rereading The Knowing Doing Gap. The Advice Trap is always 
like on my nightstand because, yeah. you know, I keep reading that one over and over. So I'm constantly reading. And then, of course, podcasts and, you know, learning. And I, I like to learn from social media. I think there's a lot of great stuff on Twitter and LinkedIn um, that are quick yeah. you know, bites as well. So um, right. I would say all those avenues. Cool. Advice chap, I forget his first name. Is it Michael Bungay-Steiner? Is that him? Uh, He did the Coach Habit too, another phenomenal book. Yes, which is great. I love it. I love the questions. You know, that that book is fabulous. And the Advice Trap, you know, is a good, great follow-on that helps you get to that next piece of it as well. And, you know, if you implement those, you're learning from everybody all the time because you're not trying to, you know, give people advice. You're like trying to take stuff in more, you know, open up to that. This is an advice as a call to action, ruckus makers. So go get Connect the Dots, one. Two, then get my book, Mastermind Unlocking Talent with Energy School Leader. And then get... Uh, the coaching habit and the advice advice trap in that order. Okay, cool. (laughs) Uh, What message, Shannon, would you put on all school marquees around the globe if you could do so for just a day? Well, of course it would be connect the dots, educator growth. I I think it would be connect the dots, colon. Educator growth always leads to student growth. And it's true. Um, And if people understood that, they would invest more in educator growth and they would understand that. They would understand the connection. I, I do feel like, like I said, because we haven't connected the dots, a lot of times it feels like programs or technology or all these other things get the credit for the student outcomes. But then if it doesn't go right, you know, the teacher gets the blame for not implementing it with fidelity, but really it's the teacher the whole time either way. So yeah, connect the dots. Educator growth always leads to student growth. And if you're building your dream school, right, you had no limitations in terms of resources, your only limitation was your imagination. How would Shannon build her dream school? What would be the three guiding principles? Such a great question. And I've, I've worked actually with a lot of architects and a lot of design work over the years. I actually worked with an architecture firm for a while. So I think that the normal response might be about the learning environment and all the you know technology and all those things, but that is not what I'm going to answer. I'm going to say there are three things. And if you put these things in place, everything else will happen. Everything else will come. One is a culture of growth. That's the that's a guiding principle that everybody's always growing. And if we do that and we're constantly iterating, we put the culture of growth in place, which includes, um, you know, the recognition for that. Um, and that's what we're measuring. That's what we're looking at. That's going to, that really makes a difference. Um, it's going to lead to the thriving community. I would say the second is agency, you know, making sure again, that every human in that system is able to set their own goals and kind of drive their pathway with support and resources and all those things being part of that because you put those two things in place you got and then of course connected data so that we're looking at the whole picture um, we're using data to inform what's happening not drive it I do not believe in data driving things because there's a lot more to the picture um, and the context but um, connected data allows us to really have insights and not spin around analyzing the data all the time but seeing what's what the connected data is happening. We cannot also in education wait for, you know, reports to be research reports and controlled studies. I mean, yes, we need those and we have those, but we need to be able to be agile in the moment and have some formative connected data as we go along. Brilliant. Well, Shannon, you've been a lovely guest. We covered a lot of ground of everything we talked about today. What's the one thing you want a ruckus maker to remember? Mm, Wow. Okay. So I would say that every educator needs a coach, not a critic, and that that support um, needs to be scaled across all of education. And it, we, have to, we have to convert PD from a burden to a benefit for people. Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. 
If you have a question or would like to connect, my email, daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com or hit me up on Twitter at Alien Earbud. If the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is helping you grow as a school leader, then please help us serve more ruckus makers like you. You can subscribe, leave an honest rating and review, or share on social media with your biggest takeaway from the episode. Extra credit for tagging me on Twitter at Alien Earbud and